So, um, the next, today and the next three weeks, um, Jim is gone, and so <laughs> we're going to do a short um, break from Philippians, because Jim wanted to keep that for, <laughs> Jim wanted to keep that for himself, <laughs> which is fine. Um, and so what we're going to do is, uh, Andrew and I are going to do a short mini-series about the signs in the Gospel of John. And so I prepared a bit of a handout uh, there. So if you go straight to the bottom, to the table, and you can see the program. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the Gospel of John is a very uh, interesting Gospel. Is that sometimes people say it's, it's a bit different from the other three. So you have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and then there's the Gospel of John. And there are differences uh, between all the Gospels, and there are differences between John and the other three Gospels. And one of the differences is that uh, John has fewer miracles than the other Gospels. And John has much more uh, talking, where the Lord talks about uh, things. So, for example, uh, one of the things about John is that the Lord says seven times, I am, which was also a series that I thought about, but not... Maybe next time. Uh, I'm the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I'm the resurrection and the life. So there's also those are things that, that, that are characteristic for John there. But then there's one thing about John that is um, also special, and it depends a bit on how you read. And so sometimes people say seven is the, is the, is the holy number, or seven is the number of fullness. And so when I started out, I thought about, let's do the seven miracles in John. The problem is, you will find lists on the internet that says, here are the seven miracles of John, and then they list eight. And that's not correct. Actually, I've seen a list like that. Uh, and so it depends a bit on how you, how you count there. And so that's for us more like a warning of that, be careful, not every seven is actually... A seven. Sometimes it's eight, and then it's not seven. Uh, there is a simple, simple counting there. Uh, so if you look at the list, you will see six miracles. So I'm leaving out two of the list. I didn't come up with this list. And you see one thing that is not a miracle there. And so why do we put these seven together? Do we want to have seven because of seven? And we can argue and debate about that, but not, not now. Maybe once we're once we're in. So there's seven things in John that either John says specifically this is a sign. He says it a couple of times. And then you have to realize that the, the word for sign in Greek is, can also be miracle. So whenever you read miracle, it can be a sign. But sometimes John is very specific. This is the first sign that he did. That is special about John. So there's seven, I think. So the first one was water and wine. We're going to do that today. And next week... We're going to do the cleansing of the temple, which is not a miracle. But there's a very specific uh, confrontation with the Jewish leaders, where they ask him, what sign do you give us that you can do this thi these things? So let's keep that in mind. Uh, then we're going to talk about the healing of the official son. And there it specifically says this is a sign, the second sign that he did when he came back into Galilee. Andrew is going to do the healing of the lame men and the feeding of the 5,000. And then we're going to end with the healing of the blind men and the resurrection of Lazarus. 
Now, if you look at the last one, that is John 11. How many chapters has John? 21. That means that the miracles and signs are concentrated in the first half of John. In the second half of John, there's no miracles and no signs anymore. And uh, we're going to start there. So if you uh, turn with me to John 12. So John 12 is in the middle. So before are the signs and the miracles, and then after that there's no signs anymore. So John 12, verse 34. Because it's a break. It's a break in the chapter of John. John 12, 34. And I'm skipping over lots of interesting stuff in the in the in the gospel of, of in, in this chapter. So for the people that want to read more, um, this is the last Passover. This is about a week before the Lord Jesus goes to the cross. So this is the last weeks there. And this entire passage starts out with verse 20. Now there were some Greeks among those who were going up to worship at the feast. These were not Greeks, these were Greek-speaking Jews. Yeah, so these were Jews. Uh, they, came, they came to Philip, and they say, uh, began to ask him, saying, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. That was their wish. And then Philip tells Andrew, and Andrew and Philip, they come together to Jesus. And then the Lord Jesus talks about how the Son of Man is going to be glorified there. And then there's a voice from heaven there where the Father speaks. I have glorified the Son and I will do it again. And then we pick up in 34. The crowd then entered him. There's a bit of a confrontation here. We have heard out of the law that the Christ is to remain forever. And how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Son of Man must be lifted up. What is the Lord Jesus talking about? The cross. Yeah, he's talking about the cross. And so they asked this question of, uh, how can you say that the, that the uh, Son of Man, the Messiah, is going to die? So Jesus said to them, for a little while longer the light is among you. Walk, walk while you have the light, so that darkness will not overtake you. He who walks in the darkness does not know where he goes. While you have the light, believe in the light, so that you may, come, may become Sons of light. Now, why is this important? This is the last time in the Gospel of John that the Lord Jesus is addressing the crowd. He's talking to the public. So this is the last words that the public will hear from the Lord Jesus. And the, the next time they will see him, he's hanging on the cross. So these are important words for the for for the this is the last this is the last altar call if you wish this is the last call to to believe there These things Jesus spoke and he went away and hid himself from them And then everything after that John 14 John uh, about the father's house John 15 John 16 John 17 the about the, the prayer of the to of the the, the high priestly prayer there, those are all to the disciples. Out of the public, into a smaller place. But though, and here's the verse that I, it's a long introduction, verse 37, but though he had performed so many signs before him, yet they were not believing 
in him. So many signs, so many miracles, and yet they were not believing in him. Now, let's pause here for a second. How about, how about us? How about you? Have you ever thought to yourself, wouldn't it be great if I could see a miracle? This is a question. So this is the place where you can actually answer. Or do you think, wouldn't it be great, like my faith would be better if I saw a miracle? It's the second question. It's going through? It's going through it with yeah. the Lord. That's true. So in that sense, going with the Lord through something is, 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 is by itself a miracle uh, there. But that is not typically what we, what we think about when we talk about miracles. Eh? When it's something <coughs> supernatural. Uh, yeah, signs of wonders, right? Yeah, signs of wonders. Um, are they... Just closing the door. Go ahead. That's right, that's right. We, we, we believe because we trust in the Word. Yeah, we believe the Word. That's how we believe in this day and age. Um, but realize there's plenty of people around you, around us, that say, I would like to see a sign, and then I will believe. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. True. And so here what we're going to see, what we're going to study in John is, is, is uh, that the Jews, or the Israelites, were expecting signs from the Messiah, because that's what, what he was supposed to do. And then we're going to see is this contrast, is that the Messiah comes, he performs many signs, and you can still reject him. And that is the, that is the, that is the mind, the heartbreaking thing, really, is that the Messiah is going to come, He's going to do all the signs that the Messiah was supposed to do, and yet it is not enough for faith there. Faith is a gift, God's grace, is what, what Romans says. It's, it's, it's given to us. And that is, that is hard there. And so we believe, and so that's something that, that is not on the list, but if you think about uh, uh, Thomas there, uh, Thomas says after, in the Gospel of John, eh, until I... What did he say? Until I can touch him. You know, physically touch him. And so that's, 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 like, that's what we want to see with a, with a, with a miracle, it's like a physical touch. Unless I can touch him, I will not believe. And then the Lord comes. And what does he say? Well, he says one thing before. He said, blessed are the ones who believe without seeing. That's us. 
Praise the Lord. But he says one thing before. What does he say before? Stop doubting and believe. He also says that. No, Thomas. The Lord Jesus to Thomas. The Lord Jesus to Thomas. Well, maybe we should look it up then, eh? <laughs> so, John chapter 20. Uh, and I'm thankful for Bibles with, 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 with subtitles in, in between them. Uh, John 20, 27. Reach here with your finger and see my hands. And reach here your hand and put it into my sight. And then he says, and do not be unbelieving, but believing. Now when the Lord Jesus tells Thomas, touch me, reach out. Eh, did he mean that? Did the Lord Jesus mean that, or was it sort of a, was it sort of like, like kids do, like a dare? You, you touch me. You come here and you touch me. You see, you see the difference? Was it, was, it, was it like a dare, or was it like an invitation? It was an invitation. It was an invitation. Was that the kindness of the Lord Jesus? Thomas doesn't believe. He says, until I, until I can touch him, I won't believe. And the Lord comes and says, come on. You can touch me. It's the kindness of the Lord Jesus. And then he says those words, stop unbelieving. And then he says those words, blessed are those who believe through the word. There's a kindness on the part of the Lord Jesus. And then there is a truth. There is a grace. And then there is a truth. And the people that have read John before have a feeling where I'm going with this. Let's go to John chapter 1 at the beginning, and then we're going to talk about, and we're going to delve in. So we have seven signs, and there's signs that the Lord Jesus is the Messiah to the people. And then we've, we've concluded already that, that signs by themselves, it's not going to do it. You need faith. And the Lord Jesus is actually going to tell them that in, in, in the... A couple of times. You need faith. And that is in John. You have people that have faith that don't need signs. And you have people that get signs and still don't believe there. So John chapter 1, where John the Gospel writer introduces. Alice, would you mind reading 16 and 17 and 18? Thank you. So the verse that I wanted to think about is verse 17. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized or embodied through Jesus Christ. So think about Thomas. Thomas gets grace, he can touch the Lord Jesus, and then he gets a truth. Uh, don't be unbelieving. Blessed are those who believe there. 
And if, when we read the seven signs, we're going to see grace, kindness, undeserved favor on the, part of the, of, of, on the part of the people receiving the sign. And we're going to see a truth. So if, 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 you're, um, if you need a handle on, on what we're going to study, in all seven we're going to see grace and we're going to see truth uh, there. And it's there right at the beginning of the book. Grace and truth. That's, that's, that's the Gospel of John. It's sometimes very easy in that way. But law was given through Moses. Why is John talking about Moses here? The law was given through Moses. Grace and truth are given through the Lord Jesus. Why does he mention Moses here? So that's a good question. Thank you for mentioning that. So who writes, who does John write for? And so here, uh, and this is also for the Gospel of John, we, we sometimes say that John is a universal gospel. It's for everybody. Matthew is for the Jews. Mark is for, for the Romans. Luke is for the Greeks. John is for everybody. Yeah? And in John, we have this, this verse, for God so loved the world, that we use for everybody. And there's some merit to that there. But the other thing is that John is a very Jewish gospel. And sometimes we overlook that uh, there. And so John, and by the way, Revelation as well, are very Jewish gospel, a Jew, a Jewish writing. And so to understand them, you need to go back through that. Okay, let's dive in. Yeah, this, was, this was the introduction. Let's dive in there. Uh, John t- uh, chapter 2. Timothy, would you like to read the first five verses? Sure, of John chapter 2. Yeah. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to, to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Thank you. Who has never studied, who has never heard about this miracle? This is like a very, very well-known miracle. Eh? Uh, this is the first one. How do we know that? How do we know that this is the first miracle that the Lord Jesus did? Verse 11, this beginning of the signs Jesus did in Galilee. Very good. Yeah, this beginning, the very first. And then you can piece it up with the timeline if you want. Yeah, so it's right after John the Baptist. So this is the early ministry years of, of, of the Lord Jesus. Very good. Um, is this, uh, this one, is it mentioned in any of the other Gospels? No. So John is the only one that mentions this. So the other three does, do not mention this. John is the only one that mentions this. There. Uh, there. And so to get a full picture of, of, the, of the ministry of the Lord Jesus, you need to, you need to read all four Gospels. Uh, there. There. Um, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. So the Lord Jesus was raised, was not, he was born in Bethlehem, but he was raised in Nazareth. Nazareth is in the north of Israel, in Galilee. And so Cana is, is, is close by there. And the mother of Jesus was there. 
both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. Well, that's nice. You get, Jesus on your wedding, that's, that's, a, that's, a, good, uh, that's a good invitation. Uh, they could be, have been related to the couple. Yeah. So weddings in those days were where you invited the, the entire village uh, there. So this was, a, this was a village, this was a big social event. Uh, weddings could take on for seven days uh, there. So this was a big, a big, a big thing. Uh, a big thing here. Um, whether the Lord Jesus or his mother was related to some, uh, to some of them, uh, they, got a, they got an invitation. And who were the disciples? Well, it is chapter one. So he just had, had a couple of disciples. And so it's a social event. You, you don't exclude people. You, you, you invite everybody. Uh, and then verse three is the drama. When the wine ran out, you still have two days of feast to go and there is no more wine. Now that is a, that is, that is a disaster. That is a disaster, especially if you invited the entire village, and this is also for, this is a social function, and then you're out of wine there. Uh, for the f next 40 years, people will tell about this. Do you remember that wedding where the wine ran out? Yeah, that was that couple. Uh, yeah, that, 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 you would move villages for that, uh, if you could, if you could. There. The mother of Jesus, women are more observant than men. The mother of Jesus notices that there is a problem. It's, uh, the wine is getting low there. And then she says to him, they have no wine. And then the Lord Jesus says, woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. Now, before you jump to conclusions and say that sounds rude there, let's first impact, uh, unpack this a little bit. What is Mary hoping to achieve here? The Lord had not done any miracles. What was Mary hoping to achieve? A miracle. Yeah. She knew what the Lord Jesus potentially could do, even though he had not, he, there were no signs, he had not done any miracles yet. But she believed on what he could do. Yeah. Maybe this was also complete desperation. Like there was nothing to, like this was, this was, there was nothing that could be done anymore. Let's, let's find the one person who maybe could do something there. We, we, don't, we don't know. But she goes to the Lord Jesus and says, they're out of wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, by the way, in that day and age, that was an, that was an okay way to address your mother. So it was not woman, like we say, it was, it was respectful uh, there. Lady, lady, that would have been lady. I, I, I like that one, lady, yeah. Um, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. What is the Lord Jesus trying to say here? My hour has not yet come. By the way, this is an expression that comes in John. Sorry, go ahead. His appointed time. And who appoints the time of the Lord Jesus? God the Father. God the Father. So my hour has come or my hour has not yet come is, an, is a very typical phrase for John. You'll see that throughout the gospel. And here the Lord Jesus says, my, my hour, my time has not yet come. <coughs> there. And so what he's saying here is, is, I love you, 
But I'm not working on your time schedule. I'm working on my father's time schedule. And so if I'm going to do something, it's going to happen because God the Father wants it, not because you asked it there. Okay, so he separates himself from his earthly relations. And what he's going to do next is because God wants him to do that. Okay, um, somebody on this, on this, uh, can you please read six, uh, five, six, seven, eight. Thank you. So mothers do what mothers do. So even though the Lord Jesus told, told her and said, um, I'm going to work on God's timing, not because you asked, his mother still went to the servant and like, you pay attention to him. Whatever, whatever he's going to tell you, you, you do it uh, there. Um, now, there were six stone water pots set there for Jewish custom of purification, containing 20 or 30 gallons each. How many liters is that? 20 or 30 gallons. I'm, I'm, not, I'm, I'm using the metrics. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> What's that? It's about 100 liters. So there's like 100 liters and there's six of them, 600 liters of water, and somebody has to go to the well and get that and put it in the, the water jars. That's a lot of water filling there. Um, let's not overlook here what it says, for the Jewish custom of purification. What were they supposed to do with the water? Yeah, you wash your hands. Yes, they didn't have faucets like we have. They, they washed their hands and their feet uh, there. And actually, in the, the other Gospels, you can actually see that the Pharisees tell the Lord Jesus, why don't your disciples wash their hands as is custom there? Why do they eat with unclean hands? This was here. And so everywhere, any good Jewish place did have water uh, barrels so that you could wash your hands, you could purify yourself. Now, this is not in the law, it's a custom. It's a Jewish custom there. But let's think back. A Jewish custom. And the Lord Jesus is going to use that for a, a, uh, a miracle there. So what's going to happen there? Uh, think back what we did in, in chapter 1. The law was given through Moses. The law was given through Moses. So here we have Jewish customs that are related, even though Moses didn't order it, that are related to the law that Moses gives. Yeah, so they're used for, 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 for cleaning. Other than that, the law couldn't do a thing there. So you can get clean, but you can't get wine there. If you're in a problem, 
the law cannot help you there. That is the problem with the law. And in, in Romans you see that clear. The law can tell you that you are sinful, but the law cannot make you alive. The law can only announce that you're going to die because you're a sinner. That's what the law does. We are sinners there. And so the Lord has these, 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 uh, these water barrels here. And the Lord doesn't do anything without significance. Eh? He could have taken anybody. He could have told the guests, you fill up your cup or you take your cup and I'm going to give you wine. In there. He could have make, made water, uh, wine out of thin air if he wanted to. And so the very fact that he chooses these six barrels used for the custom of cleaning and purification is significant there. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So, that is 600 liters of water right there. So somebody has to slave over that. So they filled them up to the brim. They paid attention to what Mary said, what, what Mary had said. So whatever he said, you, you, you do. And so they did that. As Well, maybe they need to be filled anyway. You can rationalize. Eh? There's no faith here. They just filled them up. Maybe there's more guests coming. That will be disaster upon disaster. Uh, and then in verse 8, there's where faith comes in. He said to them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. That could potentially be very embarrassing. Here's a nice cup of water. We're really out of wine now. This is, here's something for you. That's faith. He didn't tell them what was going to happen. It probably was still water when they drew it out of the, out of the water jar. So what was in the, when it was in the cup that they, that they brought to the, head, to the headmaster, it probably was still, still water. So they needed faith. This is my interpretation. If you disagree, that's fine. But this is faith there. And in verse 9, when the head waiter tasted the water, which had become wine... So somewhere between the water barrels and the headmaster, the miracle happens. And they don't know where it came from, but the servant who had drawn the water knew. The headwaiter head called the bridegroom and said to him, I just love the suspense, like this wine, but there's a bit of suspense building here. Every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. Remember, this is seven days of feast. So first you start with the, with, with the good wine, and then at the third day, when everybody is, is drunk, it's a wedding, uh, then you serve the, 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 the lower chateaus, uh, so to say. Yeah. Um, every man serves the good wine first, and when the people have drunk freely, then he serves the poorer wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. That poor bridegroom had no idea what was happening. He thought this was going to be the worst day of his life. And then all of a sudden the headmaster comes to the, you have more wine and it's better than the first one. What, what are you doing? You should have given this wine first. And the poor bridegroom is probably all sorts of confused. Of what's, what's, what's happening here? Uh, there. Okay. So it is, it is not just wine... It is exquisite wine. It is the best wine. 
there. What is it made out of? Of those six water barrels used for the purification of the juice. By the way, those six barrels were now useless eh, for purification because you have six barrels of, of, of that you want to wash your hands with and now you can wash your hands with wine because that was what the, what the barrels were, were filled up with. And then verse 11, the verse that you alluded to. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Yeah, so it's the beginning of his signs. He manifested his glory there. And so that is one characteristic of the seven signs that are on the list. They're public. They are done in public, and they show something of the glory of the Lord Jesus there. And so if you look again on the list, there's two miracles that are in John that are not on the list. Uh, one is walking on water, which the disciples saw, but was not done in public there. So it was a miracle, but it was not a sign to, manage to, to show that he was the Messiah there. Uh, the other miracles, after the Lord Jesus is raised from the dead, where they catch fish, uh, uh, there is in the John chapter 20, 2021 uh, there. And also that, the disciples see it, but it's not done in public anymore. So these seven signs all have in common, they're done in public, and they serve the purpose that it's for the glory of the Lord Jesus. Okay, so let's look at the questions that we have in the last five, five, seven minutes. Seven minutes. So, what is the sign? Well, very simple. The Lord Jesus turned water into wine there. We've, 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 we've looked at that. Now, looking back, can you think of stories in the Old Testament where water changes into something else? Rick? Blood. Yeah. Which, which, which story are you thinking of? So water turns into blood? In Exodus. There's Moses and Aaron there. Moses. Hey, the law is given through Moses. Grace and truth has been revealed by the Lord Jesus there. And so what the Jews see here is they knew somebody else who could turn water into something else, which was not a happy sign, but was a sign of judgment. Because water and blood was a sign of judgment for the Egyptians there. There's a second one that Moses did in the desert. Where he it's all correct. It's all correct. He hit the rock? Yes, it was water. Yeah, there was bitter water. There's, there's actually uh, so there's two, si there's two signs where, where, where there's water coming out there. There's the water in blood. And then there is the bitter water that, that Moses throws a piece of Wood in there and it becomes drinkable, sweet water there. Does it turn into, into wine? No, it just turns from bad water to normal water, so to say. But from normal water to wine, we don't have any, any of that. So what the Jews see here uh, is say, here is somebody that looks an awful lot like Moses. Because Moses did those miracles there a long time ago. And now here's somebody who does the same, the same miracles there. But there's a difference, and they don't know that yet, and we're going to see that building up. 
Moses did those miracles because God told him to do so. The Lord Jesus did these miracles because he is God there. So Moses could only do those miracles because he had power from God to do that. And here we have the Lord, God, God himself doing those miracles. So it's a big, that's one big difference. But the Jews and we, we're going to see that in, in John um, later on. Okay, the other thing, and that is something that I will um, give you the verse, but you can look it up yourself. In Isaiah 25, you don't have to look it up now, but uh, later you can make a note if you want. Isaiah 25, Isaiah is looking about the millennial kingdom, and he says that will be time when God is going to make a dinner on this mountain, and there will be exquisite wines there. So God is going to throw a party, and it will be an excellent party with good food and good wines. And the Jews knew that. And they have been looking forward to that, because that, is, that would be the kingdom where the Messiah would reign. And so an abundance of wine, now 600 liters of wine, that is an abundance of wine, eh? 600 liters of wine. Wine is a sign, is a sign that the Messiah is coming there. And so what the Jews should have recognized here is that the Messiah is coming. He goes to a small place in Cana where nobody had heard of, to a small nobody's wedding, and he gives an abundance of wine there. Well, if he can do that there, what is that going to look like for the rest of the country? If he comes, or when he comes. The Messiah is coming there. So that, is, that was actually the third, uh, the third, uh, the third question. How does this sign show that Jesus is the Messiah? Wine. Only the Messiah is going to do this. No other Old Testament figure gave an abundance of wine. It is a very messianic uh, feature. And so John is saying, pay attention, pay attention. Just like a sign on the freeway, pay attention. The Messiah is coming. Okay. Last one. What does this sign mean for us? great that the Lord Jesus, that the first sign that he did was on a wedding, and typically on, on wedding ceremonies, we, we sometimes actually hear that. What does it mean for us? We believe by faith, not by signs. It's, is it not it's kind of a, I don't know if I can get it right, but a transition between old Moses and new Jesus? Yeah, for sure. So that's for the Jews. So for the Jews, it should be this break of this something radically new coming. Yeah, exactly. And so that's for jumping ahead for next week, when the Lord Jesus is going to clean out the temple, we're going to see that again. Uh, there, something, a radical break there. But for us now, as we've studied this, what can we learn? What can we take away from this? Yeah, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. The Messiah will come one day, and how do we know that? Because we believe by faith there. Now, also, I'm going to give you a lot of homework. If you want to think about this, you don't have to, but if you want to think about this, if you go to Revelation, also written by John, what is he going to write at the end of Revelation? There's going to be a wedding there. A wedding feast there. And so it's almost, it bookends. John and his gospel, a wedding 
And then there's a lot of stuff happening all through the New Testament. And then he ends and he says, there's going to be the wedding. Who's going to be the bridegroom? The Lord Jesus. Who's going to be the bride? It's going to be us. Will there be guests? Plenty of guests. Will it be a good wedding? It will be a very good wedding. Yeah? And so that's something to, to look forward to. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much that um, you came and you, you came with grace and truth and that you were gracious to these poor bride and bridegroom in, in Cana at the time and that you saved their wedding and it was undeserved and you did it. And that the truth is, is that it was pointing forward to, to who you are and who you are for us. And that there's a wedding that, that is coming. And Lord Jesus, we pray that, that they will be coming, coming soon. We pray increase our faith. We pray that we will love you more. And we pray for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.